Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's mammal. We've got a, uh, a sample out in front of us, what, two, four, about 12 cases or so. We're, we're probably not going to have time, even if the programme went on for several hours, to go through all of them. But as you say, we can maybe give us a flavour of some of the different uh, species that have been recorded on the Isle of Man, so where's a good place to start? Well, why don't we start with the Pusmoth? The reason I've I've brought this one to your attention is that, um, well, I had a personal encounter with one a little while ago, Uh well, two, as I I should say. Um, uh, This this is a pair of of Pusmoths, a male and a female, mating. But they're not do. It's not very enthusiastic, you know. They're they're, they're just sat on a. It's, it's during the day, so they're sat on a twig, end to end, and I think you can see from there. Comparing this this photograph that I've pulled out of this this lovely furry, uh, white moth with with black markings, um, with the the um, cased specimen, you can see that they're totally different. And, I, and it's just really to point out that while it's nice to be able to see the wings spread out. It's very different from identifying something in the field where it's it's in its natural resting position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a beautiful moth, um, and uh, it has a, a, a quite striking caterpillar, which is green and ha- uh, has um, markings at the front of it of its head and 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 tail two long tails at the end of its body. And when it's disturbed, it rears up, and and that's supposed to uh, frighten or or at least distract predators, presumably birds. And a few caterpillars do that, actually. Um, uh, for instance, one of the hawk moths, the big moths down here. Mm-hmm. Tell you that. Wow, now these are much bigger. Now the yeah. puss moth was yeah. fairly sizable. This is, this is, but this is, is these are stimulation. Uh, this is the elephant hawk, um, hawk moth, uh, which is a, perhaps the commonest hawk moth on the Isle of Man. It's a lovely pink and olive green creature has a caterpillar which is about eight, eight or nine centimetres long and it's, it's sort of generally grey colour but with, the, with eye spots or, or what look like eye spots towards the front end. And again, it's another one that sort of rears up and frightens, supposed to frighten predators. Um, in a past life, I've had people bring these to me thinking that they're snakes, actually, even though, you know, they don't look anything like a snake. It's just that they have these eye spots at the front there. actually, yeah, yeah, um, designed to scare there. off you know, unwanted attention. Yeah. And then occasionally on the island, we get the old um, death's head hawk moth, which is very distinctive. And I think you that can is, see that... Now, I didn't realise they were uh, over here. I was, I was just about to say we don't get these surely on the island. Well, they're migrants. But... You just get the old one or two. Um, they don't survive the winter. Um, and and uh, like the convolvulus hawk moth, which is this one underneath it, uh, a, a big uh, grey moth with a, a, a pink and black striped abdomen. The, these are migrants. They, they tend to come over in favourable conditions. It tends to be in the autumn. Um, the death's head is, is particularly interesting because, it, like you might expect, it, because of this sort of skull-shaped mark yeah, on its right thorax. On the back of the thorax. Yeah, that makes yeah. you think, well, death's head, okay. And um, uh, when it's disturbed, it squeaks. Wow, it pushes a squeaking air, moth, and that is impressive. <laughs> now, that's enough to give anybody you know, a bit I of think a that start. Me, if you weren't <laughs> expecting it, a squeaking moth. Um, and, and so they're, they're rather, you know, they're rather impressive moths. But you get you get um, attractive moths of, of all uh, sizes. And um, for instance, one of the another hawk moth, which we're beginning to see more and more of here, is 
the hummingbird hawk moth, which uh, used to be just a, 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 an immigrant, probably still is, but we, we have been seeing them at uh, not just in the summer, we've been seeing them at other times of year, so we're beginning to wander. And it has a very long tongue, and as its name suggests, it hovers over uh, flowers and inserts its tongue into uh, the, the flower to get nectar. Yes, um, now oh. I do have a friend who's seen one of these, because uh, I think they only appear very briefly, but he runs a, a nursery in Douglas, and he says, not every year, but he says usually just for a couple of days, round about this time of the year, yeah. he sometimes gets these hummingbird hawk moth things, because at first he wondered what on earth it was when he saw it, and then uh, asked around, and uh, sadly, we, again, he said he'd give me a shout if we've seen them, and he hasn't seen one in the last year or so, but uh, I've never seen one so close up, so they're fascinating things. It's a bit like... Um Things like clouded yellow butterflies, you get good years and, and years when you don't see them at all. Um, but, they're, but they're rather nice. Uh, and, and they're a day-flying moth as well, so people can recognise these quite easily. And, and we, we get reports of the museum from time to time. Most moths are nocturnal, as, as you might expect. But I was there are, say, that's there are a few day-flying ones. And, um, Which does make it a bit easier, because yeah. I suppose, uh, again, most people usually associate moths yes, out at night, round the lights, and the sort of ones that's we see. Right. But uh, yeah. There are some diurnal ones as well. For instance, the... Um, oh, oh, yes, we've got some males. The That's emperor moth, which is one that you see um, on Heathland quite a lot. Very striking moth in that it's got uh, an, a, an eye spot on yeah, like all four wings. That's the two fore wings and the two hind wings. Um, the female is, is a sort of delicate uh, mixture of greys and, and uh, soft browns and, and with, with suffused with pink. The male has a bit more orange on it and is smaller, but the noticeable thing about the male is its antennae, which are very uh, feathered. And uh, there are a number of, of moth species where the males have these feathered antennae. Uh, you'll notice the female doesn't. And, and the reason for that is that they, 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 these are what they, they, these antennae are what they sense. Um, they can smell females. They can smell them from up to about a mile away and home in on them. And, and you can occasionally see the males uh, making a, a beeline, ha-ha, to, uh, to, <laughs> to um, a receptive female um, during the day. So that, that's another one that you might spot when you're out and about. They, they are beautiful. And, and, and again, just looking at these, if you saw one just uh, out in the wild any time, you could easily mistake it for a butterfly. And someone said that to me the, the other day, saying, well... You know, what's a butterfly and what's a moth? How do you distinguish between them? Well, uh, I think the easiest way to distinguish them really is to look at the antennae. And, and it, all our butterflies have got clubbed antennae. Um, almost none of the moths have. A few of the burnet moths, uh, where are we? So that's like a sort of a, yeah, antennae out and then it's got the sort of the weight on the end, as it were, or the... Um, yes, that's right. Uh, the um, oh, some over here, I think. Particular, wow, yeah, another the case. Only other, the only moths that have a sort of clubbed antennae are the burnet moths. Now they're another. Uh, the six-spot burnet moth is another day flyer. Stunning, that's a glossing iridescent black yeah. uh, forewings with six red spots, as the name suggests. And uh, scarlet hind wings. They're incredible, aren't they? Look, they've yeah. been painted in. It's yeah, amazing. but they're to totally different from any butterflies we've got. That you, you'd know them if you saw them, and uh, they tend to occur in, in uh, grassy places. Um, so look at the antennae. So by and large, as a rule of thumb, uh, if they're clubbed, if they've got the sort of the extra weight, the sort of the uh, thicker part at the end of the antennae, then it's probably going to be a butterfly. If they haven't, 
chances are it's a moth. That's right. I mean, you, you, you can look at some of these moths and you think, well, the wings are a different shape. You know, they're narrower, uh, longer in proportion to the body as, as opposed to butterflies, which have, have quite, um, you know, wide uh, sheet-like wings. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, if I could just take you over here. Yeah, just go down to one side down here. There, there are some wow. moths that look quite like butterflies. The magpie moth, for instance, um, which is a cream uh, moth with a cream background and uh, dark brown and orange spots. Um, and that's that holds its wings a bit like a butterfly, and it's about the size of one of our smaller butterflies, say one of the wall butterflies. So uh, it's not it's not that easy. Um, I mean, it is once you you know your butterflies. We've got so few on the island that you can more or less. Provided they stop for a little while, so long you can enough actually, you can. Yeah, I mean, some butterflies can be very quick. And I'm right, around about 17 species, something is on the island, a bit less, a um, bit more. Roughly, I think, I think you're I right. Won't yes. you <laughs> In that area. Do you know, it's one of those things I'm really bad at is remembering figures like how many, you know, whatever it is have you got on the island, and and, and I'll write it down somewhere, and then I'll put it, and I'll put it down, I'll forget it. It's around about that. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's the sort of one yeah. we're saying. It, it's, it's. You couldn't make a lifetime study out of the butterflies because there's just not enough species here. But oh, you, you can. Oh, oh really? You, oh, yes, you can. Yes. <laughs> there, there are. So I'm corrected. Uh, there. <laughs> well, there, there are certainly um, endless um, aspects of, of their behaviour and, and uh, um, conservation that, that uh, you, you can focus on. So uh, there's there's lots there's lots to see and, and study even in a small group of, of insects like the butterfly. Endless more variety in the moth, so you'd think this. Well, there, there are, there are. And, and, and I, the thing I like about the moths uh, in particular is, is, the, um, is the naming of them, the, the, the English names. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know Manx names of moths. Um, it would be, be nice to, to find out if anyone's had a, a crack at that. Yes, yeah, so that um, would be actually you and me both. I'm not too sure where we've got Manx names from authors, but perhaps uh, someone will write in and tell us. I expect they will. But the English names are something that, that uh, can, can provide a little bit of amusement. Um, it's, I, I suppose, that naming grew like Topsy. You, you're not, you, you, you might see a moth and you think, right, well, that, you know, that's all sort of black and white, so we'll call that one a magpie moth um, or we've got a, a, a huge moth and, it, and it's very fast flying maneuverable we'll call that a hawk moth um, but then you'll get uh, things like uh, 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 very um, evocative names like angle shades or peach blossom or um, pebble hook tip you know and, and you, th you, th you just try and think of the what's going through the mind of the person who thought up that name um it all, can also be incredibly confusing uh, because there are some drab brownish moths uh, of the family noctuidae which is a huge family actually uh, and, and one is called brown line bright eye and another one is called Bright line, brown oh, eye, oh, no. or that something just like that. Like nightmare, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Designed to catch out the unwary. That's right. I mean, this, you can see that we've got a, a tray full of brownish moths here. And um, I, I, I look at my crib sheet because I can't remember what all the Latin names are, but we've got wow. um, double square spot, square spotted clay, small square spot, square spot rustic. So I mean, Ian Scott will know all of these, like the back of his hand, but I'm afraid I have a, quite a lot of trouble 
remembering what's what. And of course, only some of uh, some of these might be um, not not found in the Isle of Man anyway. Yeah, I rather like the rustic. So you've got a northern rustic, the Ashworths rustic, the autumnal rustic, the six-striped rustic, and then rather sadly, underneath there's the neglected, neglected rustic. rustic. I know it's wonderful. Um, and and what what on earth is a cetaceous Hebrew character? I mean, uh, that's a stunning, stunning name. Hebrew character, I can imagine, looks something like something uh, um, uh, something out of a Hebrew alphabet, but uh, what's cetaceous about it? The mind boggles, doesn't not, it? Not part of my vocabulary. But just looking at the at the moths out here now, again, I think most people think moths, and they just think, yeah, little things that flit around the the uh, lights at night, or maybe the clothes moth you might see uh, cheerfully laying its grubs on your uh, on your clothing. But they always have a bit of a reputation of being rather drab and a bit dreary, and not a great deal about them. But you actually see them laid out like this, which is the great joy of doing something like this, albeit obviously they're, they're no longer alive, but you really do get the the idea of the range of size and colours. I mean, we've got everything here from bright reds to browns to blacks to yellows to you name it. I mean, the uh, the whole uh, gamut of colours are, are represented. Incredible. Oh, what's this now? What's this? Moths count events. So there is a moth thing coming up. There, well, right? uh, since since we're interested in moths at the minute, and um, uh, you might be going out on a moth trapping night, um, there's also something that uh, the Department of Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry is organising on the 20th of June. They, they've got a, a, a public um, free one-day course introducing moths and, and their identification and it's at Nockhalo Farm. So that's on Saturday the 20th of June, if I'm allowed to advertise a little bit. But, it, but it would, it's an opportunity for anyone who's, who's say, thinking of getting into uh, finding out about moths. Yeah, they, wants to know a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, so booking's essential, um, and uh, I, I suppose the easiest thing to do is, is to, uh, if, if anyone's interested, to contact me or Richard Salmon at uh, DAF at Nockhalo. That's terrific, and you don't need to be an expert to go no, along. You don't. Just, no, just, no, this just is, have this an interest. Is, this is simply to introduce people to moths and, and, and maybe to uh, um, you know, sing their praises a little bit and, and, and show people that they're, they're, they're much more interesting perhaps than they really thought. Absolutely, yeah. And you won't be tested at the end of the day. No. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. People are all scared of Well, that's yeah. a fascinating thing. So that's coming up, yeah, Saturday the uh, 20th of June. So that's uh, certainly a, a chance to find out a bit more. But it's part of a, an initiative that's going on uh, throughout the British Isles to to record moths and find out what the up-to-date situation is with, with all the uh, distributions of the different species because there's a, uh, a, a fear that uh, the, there might be a, um, that populations might be reducing, that certain species might be losing their habitat. You know, it's the it's the usual sort of fear of, of uh, loss of biodiversity, and um, and but conversely, that there's uh, we know that some species are moving north and west and and might get across to the Isle of Man, uh, which weren't here before. So it's, um, it's, it's an exercise that uh, hopefully would capture the imagination of, mm. of, of lots of people, not just the established moth experts, but perhaps some interest in amateurs as well. Sure, and I think there was something in some of the papers, uh, the national papers I'm talking about, not the uh, Isle of Man papers, quite recently about some moth species turning up in Britain, which hitherto hadn't been seen. And it's getting back again, that rather like lichens and mosses. They're quite a useful indicator species for, for real changes in, well, particularly in climate, I suppose. Yes, and um, the, the, like butterflies, uh, butterflies are also thought to be useful indicator species. They seem to show changes in their distribution patterns quite quickly 
uh, with change and um, changing the change in uh, climatic conditions. Now, although you know you, you can draw too many conclusions, you can jump to conclusions uh, and, and, and associate a pattern of distribution with uh, global warming or whatever. It isn't necessarily the case. There needs to be a bit more rigorous science to, to prove that. But the indications are that that's um, there is a link um, with. Uh, the the changes in temperature and and, and and what that brings in terms of weather uh, and per- perhaps extending the season for breeding which is one way of course that a species can spread northwards uh, it, it can get an, another or perhaps another brood out in in the summer and uh, that increases population that way and again so it's, it's another one of these fascinating aspects in that studies of things like moths and occasionally people might say well you know, either I suppose why some people might ask if they're not interested or people might be regarded as um, relative anoraks like sort of train spotters of the natural world but it's amazing how often that, that there is a sort of you know much part of a much bigger picture of studying anything like it you know some of the smaller insects the moths the butterflies that can really give you a, a sort of a, a sort of a litmus test as it were on the on the state of the environment in many ways yes and uh, they're also extremely Interesting, Interesting to right. study, yes, that's yeah. right, yes. Yeah. And now, you said at the beginning that these broadly are macro-moths, mm. uh, which by implication suggests there might be micro-moths, uh, which are. you mentioned. Uh, have we got any of those? But yes, I've got around? a, a, a little... out of box of micro-moths. And by micros, uh, micro is going to be micro, and oh my goodness, yes. You see, we do have from micro to mini-micro. See, this is incredible, a little small tray that Kate's got now, and some of these... I can tell you are, well, if you saw it, you might think it was a gnat or a mosquito. Some of them smaller than your little fingernail. Absolutely incredible. One there which can't be more than two millimetres. Wingspan of three millimetres, four millimetres maximum, I think. Up to some slightly bigger ones. But these are absolutely tiny, some of them. It's amazing that people could ever actually collect and identify some of these. Yes, um, but they are uh, some of the... They include some of the more economically important species like clothes moss and leaf miners. Um, tortrix moths that, that uh, perhaps um, the larvae burrow into uh, fruit blossom and that sort of thing. So yeah, there is a point to, to studying them and, and um, identifying them. The, uh, the, the range is, is quite enormous. There are a large number of families. We, we don't have anywhere near a representative collection of, of micro-moths. Um, this particular one is on loan to us from an Irish entomologist, um, who keeps topping up the um, the micro moth boxes that he brings to us? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's incredibly important that this work's being done. I think because, like you know, as you, as you suggest, there are far fewer people studying um, this end of of the spectrum of, of uh, moths. It's a very artificial division, anyway. I was going to say um, whether it's it's not presumably sort of a zoologically accepted. It's just no. a, a broad swipe is it macro micro yeah. there, there, there are um I, it really in, the micro moss encompasses the families that are, are are smaller sure but but they're also more difficult to study more difficult to identify um, they tend not to have english names so much they you know more, most of them have got just scientific just names. yeah the um and uh, they're, they're not you know some of them are just not easy to find easy to collect so the the macro moths are the ones that that um, a, appealed 
more uh, immediately to uh, early collectors and the micro moths are the ones that we we feel you know include the important species mm-hmm. but a bit more difficult i suppose at least with the macro moths you can see that people might be more fascinated some of these are so small that you are getting into a real almost a specialism within a specialism i suppose it, yes in a way i i, I think that um some of the, the the tinier moths are, are much more difficult to identify, and that really is a you know genitalia extraction job. Um, yeah. But but you can look at some of the larger ones are, are, are not so different no, see from, from the the smaller macro moths. Absolutely. Um, there's a, a, a brown house moth here, which is about the size of a a, a pug, um, one of the macro moths, or one of the smaller noctuid moths. So. It's not. It's not clear cut at all. No, the division is not, not clear cut. You, you, have a, you have to have reasonable familiarity with the families that that are you know, plonked in the mm-hmm. micro moths section and the families that are micro moths. So there you go. Just a taster, and it literally is just a taster. Looking at some of the uh, species that are actually stored here, plenty more. Not uh, at least certainly not on display today, but a fairly massive collection, but by no means comprehensive within the museum, and uh, hundreds more out and about. So a chance to uh, think a little bit more about them. Maybe go out and take a look. Plenty of books on the subject. Let's see the one over here on uh, uh, moth identification. I've got a little one in uh, in my backpack normally, which is nowhere near as fancy as that. But you can get little gem guides and such like. So it's very easy to. Uh, Get some little books just to give you some hints and tips on uh, what's going on. And then, of course, the course coming up on the 20th. So if you fancy taking a look at that, what a great opportunity to speak to uh, someone who really knows what they're talking about. So the Radio 1 question, have you got, you got a favourite among them? Oh, right. Well, I certainly like the puss moth. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather really, like it. Really gorgeous moth. Um, there are some metallic, metallic-coloured ones like um, the burnished brass which is rather fine, uh, metallic green colour. It is Yeah, that really is. Even, colour, yeah. even here you can see the, yes. the uh, yeah, iridescent yeah. off the, leaf, off the uh, wing. Fantastic. I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, I'd have a different be a different choice. one every day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Enough for a lifetime of study. So, uh, yeah, get out. Why not go and take a look out? It's one of those things that's so easy just to uh, think nothing of them and think, ah, oh, it's just a moth. But like all these things, there's far more to it than meets the eye.